And now, a word from our sponsors. Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press Anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S.com. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas. HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. 
For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 140. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. Good news is the newest issue of the World of Myth magazine has been released this week and we will be putting out a review next weekend. We could not read it in a matter of pretty much hours <laughs> that uh, between release and when we record this. So fear not, it will be with you very soon and you can hear all our thoughts and opinions and uh very excited to get down on this new issue because uh from my understanding it is a pretty phenomenal setup so before we get started in anything uh any discussions or anything like that we kind of want to go through the meeting minutes from back in june And if you want to go through and read the whole shebang, everything, it's all in this issues magazine under reviews. So you can read the whole thing. We're just kind of going to jump over some important matters. So first and foremost, everybody at the meeting went over the aspect of advertising. And in those discussions, they talked about the plugs and and, um, like all of our podcasts and all the audio advertisements um, and even started talking about uh, branching out and reaching out to like local communities and and businesses to try to kind of expand a little. And in that same vein, it was also actually tackled to talk to the vendors and special guests at Scarefare to do like a plug or a banner something for their businesses. So that's pretty cool. And Eddie really, really like super, I can't even think of the right uh, adjectives to describe how phenomenally he's doing um, heading Scarefare. But every ounce and effort that he is he is putting forward uh apparently has already been kind of flowing this through conversations with a lot of people involved already so pretty cool and on top of that speaking of which a lot of the vendors and special guests are also committed to working with eddie on his takeover of my life as an american nerd so that'll be pretty cool i know i'm supposed to be on there at some point and i promised him i was gonna binge every episode so i'm very excited to hear from a couple people in particular that i'm a fan of all right so moving on to still scare fair we are i mean full full up and we have been full up and uh, you know that's that's a good problem to have when people are coming to you like hey do you have any spaces available and Sorry, you know, we actually 
ran out of space. And again, this is also from June, remember? So we've been in this position for a minute. And again, good problem to have. So we have the promotional interviews. And we also, uh, everybody at the board of directors discussed activities, um, contests, as well as special guests. There were also discussions regarding comic book writers for Scarefare. There were also discussions with a lot of the comic book artists who are going to be attending Scarefare who will also be attending PCE, so that's pretty cool too. And also discussions regarding next year's Scarefare. Uh, apparently, there were, were talks about getting the Terrifier to attend, but uh, I'm guessing scheduling conflicts prevented it from being as such. But... There's always next year. So that looks like that's going down in the books. And also next year's Scarefair will be a two-day event for October 29th and 30th. So during the, the board meeting, they also discussed the Jayzo Modcast network in its entirety. And a certain someone called Joe explained the whole process that goes into both the podcasts and creating the audio experiences that, you know, we've been doing kind of as a new thing. And we're getting ready to do a new one to premiere for next week's review episode. So stay tuned because we're going to talk all about that. Uh, but Joe was talking about that back in June also. <laughs> and also talked about the lineup, which is Monday being Mythbits, Tuesday being Grindhouse Lees, Wednesday being My Public Life uh, as an American Nerd. Thursday is The Three No's. And Friday is Lupa's Bits. He also talked about editing and also more discussion about the, the plugs and advertisements. Also worth a note, podcasts have to be a minimum of 45 minutes. So that's always good to know. And on the note of podcasts, there were also discussions about My Life as an American Nerd moving over to a video platform. And if you're if if you ever met Eddie, you know he actually has experience doing like video style podcasts. And I know he was telling me about it and I, it was also brought up in the meeting. There was like an artist who will draw you during the entire podcast. So it was pretty cool. I know that was kind of the peace day resistance <laughs> doing a video podcast. So they did uh, some more conversing about the podcast and editing. And there was also uh, some updates with the magazine and the new guidelines. Apparently, uh, while they've been very helpful, several people have removed their submissions. Some have chosen not to resubmit because of the strict adherence to the guidelines. But the magazine is doing well and ad space has been sold. So regarding the addition of new categories, as we're going to start implementing new categories um, in the magazine eventually. Uh, the idea is to kind of see what what takes, you know, what sticks and what doesn't. And if one category fails, then give something else a, a shot. So I think that's a pretty smart uh, way to go about that to see kind of what what goes. And the first category, I believe, will be added by September, which will be the 100th issue. And moving on to Myth Mart. So Myth Mart is in, was in June <laughs> in the process of, of basically being constructed, uh, you know, between inventory as well as making sure that everything was set up to 
maintain said inventory. Uh, I expect by now that's all been taken care of. And so another huge congratulations to Ellen Russo because that sounds like a pain in the butt. Uh, and it was ready to launch by the week after. So I say that because in the minutes it says it should be ready to launch by next week, and it did. So moving on to Dark Myth Comics, our very own Christopher Harris uh, suggests the potential of putting out an anthology, a uh, short mid-goal, and to quote the minutes, put a digital on comicsology being a good start, uh, start small and build up to print anthology, put them up individually, maybe even offer some for free. Uh, Chris also thinks that as our test subject would be good, he suggests slowly building up the Dark Myth Comics brand. Uh, regarding the OCC, the challenge is going well. The 10 that moved on have been contacted and the 20 that haven't have been contacted as well already see, received four of the next step chapters. And then in the meeting, they went on to talk about Dark Myth publications. And apparently there was a bit of a drama-rama with a book that didn't really seem to fit the narrative that Dark Myth wishes to present. Also in regarding faith and beliefs. So it was voted that the book would be rejected. Fair enough. <laughs> But on a positive note, Dark Myth has obtained the rights to Mr. Jim Bates' story, Something Better, and that one will be published ASAP. And Unicorn is now finished and off her plate. And that one is also available up at Myth Mart. I still haven't seen the print copy. I'm super excited. Uh, a publisher's report. They note that we have been doing exceptionally well. Super Horror Max, The Missing Unicorn, and The Land of Zombie Fairies, but holding off on marketing so we can sell it on Myth Mart. Again, these are up on Myth Mart now. It's so weird reading these, like th this whole meeting in hindsight because it's like to see how things have evolved over like a month, you know? Then they talk about me for a split second, talking about me doing the cover for Christopher Bice's amazing book, Escaping the Darkness. Um, <laughs> it was a really fun cover to do, and it looks great. But yeah, and that one is also at Myth Mart now, and it was released in June. And then in July, they're going to release something better instead of Through the Eyes of Madness due to the fall of Paper Gin Press, moving Madness to 2022. Uh, this shows Paper Gin contributors that we mean business and we are reliable and quick. And the board approved all that. So July 6th, Jim Bates. September 7th, release of Liberty's Run. October 26th, release of Natural Instincts through Zombie Works. And in December, The World of Myth, Volume 4 on the 7th and Magically Bound on the 14th. There were some discussions about penance and... Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say anything right now. I feel like everybody needs to go read that or maybe I'll just like make a huge presentation out of it because I feel like it needs a huge huge presentation. So yeah, so go read the minutes or just keep listening and I'll make a big deal out of it. So they also discussed uh, that short story contest that we had brought up a while back and it's uh, apparently going to be called Myth Fix. That probably sounds weird over over audio. Myth Fix. <laughs> And rules are in the works. Steph wants to use the rules of the open contract challenge as the bones for the short story contract contest. 
and it will launch in November. And the first theme will be Christmassy. We'll have to have certain festive elements. So that'll be fun. I think that's a good place to start, too, because you kind of have like a an ease into it. Just something to kind of make sure that everything is cohesive, you know? Regarding plugs for podcasts, Steph will be reaching out to a broader range of people, uh, generating passive income for the magazine, working up a combo deal. These are all just like little notes. And I'm just reading them because it's a lot easier just to read it than to... I'll sit there and try to summarize. Spreadsheet for plugs and banners created. Walter presents the comprehensive plan for the big bad marketing plan. A poll vote will be done to pass. Steph will like to use it for the authors in Dark Myth Publications. Walter will be using it for contestants in the OCC. Steph suggests that the plan will be voted into policy of production with ca- with the caveat that the timeline can be fluid. Steph would like to start using it. Dave seconds. Walter is third. And it is passed. I feel like we can make this so dramatic. Maybe we should do this for an audio experience, huh? Elmvale Sci-Fi Festival will be presenting Chris Bice, Walter G. Esselman, and Stephanie J. Barty reading from their books. Mythmart has a space in the vendor's room. July 17th is the day. And Dave proposed an emergency vote to contact Umer Merksa, who has not replied to the offer to purchase Papers in Press. From what we have been told... Uh, that he basically washed and washed his hands of the business and is living his life. So yay that obstacle. This has been another little thing that I've been involved in, so I, I know a little bit. Uh, the discussion regarding catalogs for Mythmart. Uh, Alan has brought that up, Mr. Russo. So we're going to start tackling that soon. Uh, they talk about if I can do it, and I said yes. And then Walter presented a new rule change to the 2022 Open Contract Challenge regarding out-of-country winners. The new rule would be if the winner is outside of North America, then they are giving the monetary value of the first prize. And I think that is absolutely fair. It is voted on and passed. Walter also presents another rule about anyone who is involved in the Jaysomon company negate, negating them from entering any contests held on the company or subsidiaries. Again, very smart. Dave says he will make sure that both rules get put into the website. And then we start talking about comics and exclusive covers for Scarefare. That one kind of left off just because it's a little confusing area to see comic artists who are willing to work with very small, exclusive comics. And that's pretty much where we ended in the board meeting. And I am out of breath. <sighs> that was that was a lot. Yeah, I feel like, like I said, I think maybe next time we present the meeting, I think we should do that as an audio experience. I think that would be a lot of fun. Probably I, will be, I will be reading for Dave. I probably should have took it over <laughs> considering I was there. <laughs> that's it's fine, okay. though. You read just fine. Uh, it is. It is a little confusing. And, and like I said, the stuff that like I'm involved in and I know about like, yeah, it's super easy. But like there are other things where it's like I'll have to look at you and be like, what was that about? What's even worse? Sometimes you look over here and I be like, shrug my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Well, it's hard, too, because we're reading, like I said, something from from, you know, a month or two ago. And um, and, and things have, have evolved since then. So it's kind of like going back in the past. It's always funny. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of information that passes through from one month 
I think that's where, you know, it kind of starts getting a little confusing on the brain because, yeah, it's like, wait, what? Didn't this already, didn't we already deal with this? <laughs> the member of the month was Don DeBrawl, and we did uh, a whole audio experience regarding her story abducted. She won two months ago, technically. Yeah, see? <laughs> okay, well, we caught up with the member of the month, uh, Don DeBrawl. <laughs> from two months ago uh, but it was like it was a worldwide effort you know and I think that's what's so cool about what uh not just what we're doing but what the world of myth is doing you know you you're reading from authors who are all, from all over the world it's so much fun like I said these th- this this whole project of these audio experiences it's it's a worldwide effort this month We have been working on, I say we, it's mostly you, uh, who've been working on Penance Part 1 by Miss Stephanie J. Bardi. And this one has been so much fun. I just worked up the trailer. I showed Steph like a really rough cut of it and she loved it and she totally got what I was going for. And by the time this episode drops, we will already have it out into the public. Out and for your eyes to see. Um, so let's let's go back on an adventure with Jenna because I have to bring it up at least every other month, right? Uh, how one of my favorite directors is Eli Roth. I talked about it, I think it was last week. Was it last week or the week before? We, we had just watched Finn, the documentary he had, he had uh, done for Discovery regarding the finning industry. And it's a phenomenal documentary. He's really, like, opened a lot of his audience's eyes, I think, regarding uh, just the, the volatility of the finning industry that I was completely ignorant on. I had no idea that was a thing because yeah. it just seems so wild and it, out there well, that it would be a thing. I remember hearing about that soup but it wasn't so, like, prominent in your face kind of thing. It's like, I think I read an article about the soup a long time ago, maybe, yeah. like, four years ago, but it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, well, that's weird. Yeah. You know? Well, it's like, and I remember, you know, like, my first thought was, oh, didn't they do, like, an episode of Lucifer <laughs> about this, you know, where it was like there's a high-end restaurant selling sharks to eat or something like that. And, uh, like I said, I was very ignorant on it, and then started learning more about it and and like I said Eli Roth did did the whole documentary phenomenal thing which also on a side note horror directors taking on documentary work is really great I feel like it's like a natural stepping stone that you never kind of correlate but it it's it's a good like connection I really enjoyed it while I was also crying throughout the whole thing I've been in a very Eli Roth <laughs> state of mind for the past couple weeks, you know, and, and going through his, his film catalog. And, uh, my nephew is also a fan, so it's kind of easy to go through and be like, hey, you want to watch, uh, this movie? When it came time to start working on the Penance trailer, I had, like, two points of inspiration. (laughs) And one of them was, I was asleep. And Joe had just, you'd happen to be listening to the voice actress reading a line. And she had very kindly and amazingly sent over uh, multiple takes of her reading a single line. And I kept, like, you kept replaying it or felt like you kept replaying it. But she was saying the same line over and over and over again. And I'm half asleep and I'm just hearing it. And I'm like, is that, did that happen in the story? 
no, she wasn't just saying that over and over again in the story. Um, <laughs> you know, then, like, I, I woke up later and I was like, well, I mean, you know, our main character, Reese, she's doing this day in and day out. Very obviously, she would probably be saying these things over and over and over again. Lo and behold, that was kind of my, like, idea was to put forward something that's just kind of visiting or just just skimming the surface of how Stephanie presented Reese dealing with this day after day after day after day after day. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of days, right? If not, we're moving into, you know, uh, millions of days. <laughs> so I really wanted to kind of play with that. And again, being in the Eli Roth state of mind also then kind of put me into the Nathan Barr state of mind. And if you don't know, Nathan Barr is the composer for most of Eli Roth's films. And his work really kind of became super prominent in the cohesion of Eli Roth's films and projects back with like Cabin Fever, where you're utilizing more than instruments for the score. You're using noises. You know, you're using the atmosphere as a score in and of itself. It's a very common occurrence when you watch Eli Roth films and, and listen to Nathan Barr's scores. They're very, like I said, cohesive in that sense. And you you understand the discomfort of what he's putting forward, you know, with his with his music. And it works so well. I told you I'm a fan. Okay, I'm I'm like nerding out. Okay. So going back, <laughs> I had kind of put myself in that place. And so the teaser trailer kind of came from that place. Like I said, of really trying to hone what Stephanie had written regarding Reese and who she is as a character, who she is as this ancient being, as well as with, with like an Eli Roth inspired take. Um, and you know, it's it's a lot of fun because I like I like challenges and I like challenging myself. We're not getting paid to do this. We're doing this because we're having fun doing it. You know, that also being said, we're on a budget. <laughs> I've kind of been frugal like this my entire life where it's like, well, if if we have to be on a budget to do it, I'm going to make sure that it's it's it looks like it had a top notch budget. You know what I mean? And while you can't always get away with that, I think there are really great resources out there available. And I found this amazing uh, video catalog of this model and she's gorgeous, gorgeous model. And I was like this, I don't know, like I just felt like it worked very well with like Stephanie's aesthetic. So that worked. That kind of just was handed to me very neatly. Also, it's very hard to find nice, violent, gory takes for free, <laughs> which is a little annoying. So, yeah, so we had a lot of fun kind of putting that together. Yeah, excellent work on that. Well, and I think what was funny is I, because I, I wanted Stephanie's approval, obviously, especially because I'm putting a face to one of her characters, which I really didn't want to do. That was not my goal. And I tried to keep her face just, like, like blurred enough to where, like, the audience can still... Because I don't want to I don't want to put any preconceptions into the audience's mind. Um, especially visually, because that's the joy of reading, is you are painting the picture in your imagination. 
So I, I really wanted Stephanie's approval. And it was really funny because she got it instantaneously, the Eli Roth connection. And I, I am so happy for that because it, it just worked, you know, it worked. But yeah, so that's been my foray in this little venture. And, you know, like, just to just to kind of quickly go in on that, it's so funny because, like, I've always been someone who, I guess the best way to put it is, like, all or nothing. And I think that's kind of why, like, I don't write as much as I do anymore. Because I used to write religiously. It was an obsession. Like, if I wasn't writing, I was absolutely miserable. And if I wasn't writing, I was trying to do something to kind of fully form the world that I was I was working with or creating or manifesting however you want to put it and so like I'm really gonna gonna make myself sound really nerdy here I would make things (laughs) like I would make visuals for myself and I'm not talking about like casting your 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 characters or anything like that but like or even, like, like mapping geographical locations, you know, like, okay, I want to base this place off of this. Like, I would, like, make, like, like fake book covers or uh, trailer. Like, I would make these trailers for my characters. So it's, like, it all is just funny to me how, like, everything I did that was, like, kind of, like, embarrassingly for myself has kind of come to fruition to being very useful to do essentially as work. And I mean that in like the best of ways. So I just love that like I get to legitimately, I guess is what it feels like, legitimately nerd out and like just make stuff, like nerdy stuff that I can obsess over. (laughs) Like that's my brain, you know? And so it's been a lot of fun. How has it been for you (laughs) working on Penance? Exciting. I got the actors, amazing actors and actresses together and have taken Stephanie's vision and warped my own vision into this new product. One special part of Penance was I have acquired a special guitar. This particular guitar is a 1966 Regal Parlor. At first, if you hear that, it's not exactly ear-catching, except this is technically a very rare guitar indeed, on account of this is... Oh, look, just have it right here. (laughs) On account of this is the sound of penance. So how do you come about that? You, 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 You hold the guitar and you're like, you look down at the fretboard and you're like, play me something special. No, not play me. You look at the guitar and you say, speak to me. Show me. Speak to me, right? And sometimes it comes out a little something like this. You hear that tempo change? It's a really cool or, instrument. Yeah, or and this is this is all raw, pure uh, voicing from the guitar itself. You know, um, this particular one was made in 1966 in Chicago after it was bought out by the Harmony Company in 1954. The company 
was found in, uh, it was 1896. And then after the brothers and the family kind of ran the course of the company, then the Harmony Company bought it over. So on the neck of the guitar, it says right here, made in USA, right there. How often do you see that? Never. Never. Especially on an instrument. You can still get you can still get uh, instruments made in the USA. Proudly made. Uh, PRS actually has a manufacturer. Right? vintage special rare sound that is coming from the guitar that came i'm assuming out of somebody's garage on the way that i have received it i know it's kind of temperamental and, and touchy and it's a technical whole field of buying instruments on the internet however <laughs> in this day and age that is the way to go if you want to get what you want because mm -hmm. there are how many music stores do you think where we live how many are there that I know of, I know there's at least two. I mean, like, independently owned. Two. They're, right? Two yeah. music no. Well, yeah, because that one down there, that one still is there. Oh, is it? It's okay, because I knew the, it's the a different. Moved. Yeah, it's a different okay. guy now, though. Okay, good. At least I'm glad it's still there. Okay, disregard as that, everybody. As <laughs> far as I know. Technically, we have one fully stocked store. Technically, one is fully stocked and ready to go. Up here, and how many residents do we have? Over, gotta be 150,000. Minimum, yeah. Minimum. I can't recall the exact number, but it's up there. In one music store. The next closest one is Guitar Center. 40 minutes away. <laughs> right? Instruments on the internet is definitely the way to go. This one was shipped all the way from across the states in New Hampshire and arrived beautifully. I uh, did a little cleaning one night. That reminds me, I gotta send them an email. I just kind of wanted to test the instrument out before giving the kudos, which it is has delivered. 
This guitar specifically was made for the blues. They call it the blues guitar. They, the sisters, the resonator. Regal is known for the resonator guitars, which is the guitar with a giant like steel washboard in the center. For those listening. I don't know. It sounds like it has an attitude and temperament of its own, and it sounds pretty amazing for a 55-year-old guitar. Well, I also feel like when when you get like essentially a a, a used or a vintage anything, you know, and and you know, we kind of touched on this like last week when we were talking about like a, a Bigfoot and everything, the the kind of power you give something. It's hard not to imagine that something that has had a very long life, a thing, you know, and maybe I'm I'm very odd for this, but you know, to to assume that it is kind of absorbed some kind of energy, you know what I mean? Like not not necessarily like in an ethereal energy or or otherworldly energy or anything like that, but just like, you know, you think of creation of music in and of itself, it's a very personal thing, you know, and and there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> so it's like there's got to be some like 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 ether reservoir that that just kind of elicits this memory into objects and I think that's very like just when you wait for the guitar to to speak to you and tell you what to play I don't know I like to to think that's what it is I sound very insane right now don't I no 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 because <laughs> that, that, that was the point it's like when you when you like when you, when you pick up the guitar and you when you <laughs> has become a music theory of penance. So when you when you have an idea of what to play and you have this music theory knowledge behind you, you could say, okay, well, this would be a power chord in the 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 D that's a power chord. And then you just slide it up the neck, another power chord, right? So it comes down. But it's going to sound, <laughs> believe me, because not just because this is a parlor guitar, but this guitar sounds miles different than my Ibanez mm-hmm. that I have on the wall. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's a parlor, but also because of the age. And I also feel that this guitar has something going on with it. Obtaining this particular guitar because of the Robert Johnson episode that we did and I started researching into the music type because that's the real point behind this is the music type for penance. I wanted something like bluesy, like I wanted the blues. And there's discrepancies of when it started and who started it and how it started, what year. And I got into <laughs> got into ragtime, which wasn't my my favorite idea and that's why i think in westworld they have the 90s songs and they they replicate them on the old style piano which i have a harpist chord in which i'm going to uh, replicate on there but actually the the whole point and purpose of the reason they chose the songs that they did in westworld was so the audience would feel the familiar familiarity and be able to disengage the reality of westworld Hmm. Yep. Very interesting. <laughs> this is just an episode where we're like <laughs> nerding out. So this is fun. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is us in our most natural state. This is what conversations with us are like all yes. the time. Well, that, uh, I would imagine that's true because you need the familiarity between the songs. Kind of. Um, okay. 
So in the <laughs> in the the story of penance, um, a certain band is brought up, Megadeth. Well, it's the same thing as familiarity. We can't afford Megadeth right now. <laughs> but I got something. I whipped something up that sounds a little bit like that, um, which is also more challenging. Like you're talking about challenging. Like I watched the videos of the guitarists for Megadeth and his techniques the, the 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 technique he uses on the tremolo of the string it definitely takes a lot of time a lot of practice to get that baby right doing that that's all technique a lot of this is like time and technique you know um if you were to say if you wanted to like alternate pick the the tune like all technique but she's definitely going to sound a lot different in her own way I feel like that's why I needed something ancient to go along with I'm gonna say ancient I say vintage I'm sorry Dolores (laughs) it's vintage that's why they use the term vintage and not ancient guitar right see I think you know when you think of the word ancient you think of like all knowing being you know, so I think it's it's not necessarily uh, not complimentary right. to, to refer to something as ancient. Oh, definitely true. Also, a fun note was when we received, I say we, when you received the guitar, <laughs> I, I received it and signed for it, and then you got home and you opened it. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was a... A, a effort between the both of us. Is this story going to the floating bridge? No, okay. I was going to talk about the we. Joe is clean. You're cleaning out um, inside because it felt like there was just something in there, and it was actually a slip of paper with a playlist written on it from 1982, and that was just so cool <laughs> to find. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's just a fun. It's another collection piece to the to the wall of oddities out in the <laughs> living room. Just that, like that, that was something for someone. That's yeah. so cool. Like it's it's very interesting. Like somebody had put that in there. Not sure why. Not sure how. Well, actually, I know how. <laughs> they put it in a hole. <laughs> they put it in the hole. But not sure why they put it in a hole or who would have found it, unless that is part of the mystique. Like yeah. one day. Somebody's like, oh, one day somebody's going to put their hand in the in the sound hole and they're going to be cleaning it out and they're going to find my playlist. But yeah, I brought up the floating bridge because I had seen another instrument that was of age. <laughs> of age. And it had a floating bridge. And I pointed at that guitar and said, I want one of those. <laughs> because the sound emitting from that is just... Amazing. Takes a second there. It takes a second to tune it up. And what's amazing too about this guitar, it has the original tuners. Uh, The nut was obviously played with. The nut, and I think, I think there might have been some body work, but just a bit, just a little bit of body work on the end of it. 
But other than that, it is all original, looks like. Dolores, here is the sound of Penance. So when you listen to the review episode next week on the 2nd, you're going to indulge in Penance. Penance, the audio experience. And hopefully it sounds all right, guys. When we were recording it, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and it was hot Ding. as balls. The heat man. wave. Oh, my gosh. And we can't have, like, we don't have the fan or anything going. So it's like I'm in this, we call it the death box because it's it's dead silent. Dead space. Dead space is important for voiceover work. I, 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 it may have killed me. I might be dead right now. I'm not sure. I might be so the, the ghost of Jenna Sparks that right now. It means that the death box now has two meanings for it. <laughs> um, if you hear the pain and anguish in my voice, I'm not acting. I'm just genuinely very uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you remember the stories about the exorcist? Like the the making of the making of where the the guy would jump out, he would jump out and scare the actors and everything (laughs) so that they would be scared when they go on stage. So here, this is the what really is the this is the thing is that it you were suffering. I had to get put in the place of the narrator. It adds to the entirety of the story because they can they can feel that you're you're suffering. You're like oh my god, and they're (laughs) listening and they're like what's going on here? You know, I feel a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure why. Is because your voice is like I'm suffering. So if any writers like, are at all uncomfortable, like with, that director, that director is a huge prick. I knew it. I knew it. Okay, Alfred Hitchcock slash Stanley Stanley Kubrick. Whatever. If any writers out there are like, oh, I don't want these people to touch my story, which of course you, if you tell us not to, we won't. Just remember, <laughs> it is so much love and appreciation on our part that goes into creating these, like, essentially homages to what you've created, you know, and um, the the pain, the suffering, <laughs> the sweaty death boxes, the ghost guitars, the... <laughs> The the Eli Roth slash Nathan Barr channeling. It's so much nerdy, fun stuff that genuinely, truly makes, I think, makes me, it makes us very happy, at least. I, mean, I wouldn't consider myself a nerd, but okay. You're a nerd. The way you're talking about that guitar, you're the nerdiest of the nerds. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. We'll be back next week with the review episode and penance premiere. Play us out, Dolores. Thanks for listening. Until next time.